Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Talking twins. Now, with 1500ESPN.com senior web editor and resident seam head Derek Wetmore, presented by the Canopy Group for the best insurance coverage at the absolute best price. A high fly to left field. Deep to left field. Tie game. Good time to hit his first home run here at Target Field. Number nine on the year and the first home run hit in his home ballpark. High drive to right field. Going back is Allen. Gone! Rosario backs up Dozier with another home run. Home run number 12 on the year. Rosario puts the Twins ahead. It's not often, and I know, Wetmore, you were uh, you were at a bachelor party this weekend. You weren't taking in the excitement at Target Field. You Missed were it. Taking in the excitement somewhere else. <laughs> Different kind of excitement <laughs> yes, entirely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you and you did turn on the TV just in time to see the third of the uh, of the Rosario home runs. It's pretty amazing when you get a curtain call at some point in the game, and then later on you take it to another level yes. and hit your third and and walk off. He got the curtain call after the second home run, and then comes through. We were just talking about him earlier in the hour. He has become clear-cut the best hitter in this lineup the last two years. And last night was kind of this this culmination of the Eddie Rosario show starting in 2017. He really is. And we should give him credit where other hitters have been here and been the best hitter. You could lay claim to four or five different guys who've been the best hitter in the lineup over the last two or three years. Rosario's kind of just been there. And it's weird, it's weird to say because... He's such a roller coaster type player that yeah he'll throw to the wrong base or he'll like overthrow a cutoff man but then he's gunning somebody out at the plate and yeah he'll strike out at a ball at his eyes but then he'll hit a walk off home run at a ball at his chin mm-hmm. and he's such a I mean he's frustrating and fascinating all kind of rolled into one but it's really hard to argue your point here that he's the best hitter Miguel Sano's fallen off obviously Dozier's a, a good hitter and he's very streaky I would take sure. I would take Rosario in that head to head yeah and he's going to be around probably for longer if you're Eddie Rosario but Joe Maurer could have laid claim to that for a short stretch last year Robbie Grossman could have laid claim to that but there's nobody who's sort of I guess who's ridden that roller coaster and landed up on top quite like Eddie Rosario has, not just this year, but last year too. What's the key to, to the change, uh, Derek, from from him being a completely irresponsible player who was fun to watch but just screwed up? I mean, he'd sure. throw to the wrong base, he'd forget the outs, he'd run, he'd he'd you know try and take third, and it made no sense. Sure. What's been the what's been the transformation from from the always oh no 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 and it doesn't end well to the I think that's not a very smart. Oh wait, that just worked because there there does there does seem to be more of a confidence that while he can be a goofy player at times, the amount of the amount of just stupid mistakes I think I think has been cut down. Well, I, but you I tell me, I don't have a good answer for that question, Judd, because to me he's still that guy. Okay, fair and enough. maybe hey, maybe I'm just too down on him because I enjoy clean baseball. Like Phil and I talk about this a lot. I'm a weird baseball fan. Like, I want two-to-one, pitcher's duel, strikeouts. The team that made the error loses. You screwed up. You deserve to so, lose. So you're a black-and-white baseball fan. It is It is uh, uncomfortable to watch baseball with me because I don't I don't respond the same way right. that other people. So to me, Eddie Rosario is still that guy. The difference, you ask what's changed, like how come I'm not harping on him and yeah. now we're celebrating him and he's probably going to play in his first All-Star game a month and a week from today. Like, the difference is that 
He's succeeding at the plate. He's been successful. He's hitting over 300. He's got, what, 13 home runs now on the year. The fact that his offense is now coming through, it's just great enough to wash over the fact that I think he still makes confusing mistakes on the bases. And and I still don't think he's flawless as a left fielder. Yeah. He Certainly, he's not flawless as a hitter either. He still strikes out a lot. Swing and miss rate is up there as high as anybody on the Twins. But he makes enough contact now. And he does damage with those pitches, and I'm perfectly willing to forgive all of his other baseball yeah. sins. Can I, can I add another layer to this? So I'm going to play a short clip from the post game yesterday. I love it when when Spanish speaking players who are sort of blossoming stars when they make an effort to connect with English speaking American fans and and either try to get better at interviews or and, and Judd and I had Danny Santana on the show three or four years ago from spring training. Was it great? Not, I mean, if it was in Spanish, he would have been great because he's got a personality. But I love the fact that he came up not speaking English at a high level and said, I want to do a radio interview. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go outside my comfort zone. Rosario, according to Dustin Morse, the Twins communications director, has been working really hard on his English the last couple of years. He's from Puerto Rico. He's been working really hard on his English so that when he has a three home run game, he can, without a translator, connect with Twins fans like he did yesterday. When you came to the plate there in the ninth, were you thinking a third home run? Hell yeah! Why no? <laughs> like that's awesome. <laughs> oh, it and, 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 and it's and it's actually there's a there's an issue with baseball. A lot of the top star players come from Dominican Republic or Venezuela or Puerto Rico, and they don't speak very good English. And so you see these guys and or Cuba and and Yasiel Puig burst out of the scene five years ago, and it's like I want to know more about him and. There's a communication barrier that prevents that relationship from fully molding like it might with Aaron Rodgers and Packer fans, for instance. Agreed. And credit to Rosario for bridging this gap. It is also, and this is an unpopular opinion maybe, but it's also on us as reporters. How hard have we worked to bridge the Spanish gap? Like basically not at all, right? So if there's a if there's a problem in baseball in terms of marketing and, well, you can't really communicate with some of the brightest stars in the game because they're just – uh, you know, I'm not going to learn Japanese to help cover Shohei Otani. That's on me. That's on me. That's not on Shohei Otani. I think it's like it's a bridge that yeah, there's, a the middle, there's a middle ground in some form. Meet in the middle. If and you I want think to the connect same. with fans, you can't tell fans all of you have to learn Japanese. No. So there's there's got to be some sort of give and take. Also, as a uh, intermediary to that game, fan uh, uh, media, analysts, writers, reporters, anything, whatever, it's like, some of that's on us. Some of that is on that we uh, collectively haven't done as good of a job. I will give Major League Baseball some credit now that every team, to my knowledge anyway, every team has a Spanish-speaking translator, yes, which, which, which definitely helps. And you know, there were some teams dragging their feet last year, but it's like, well, why? So, hang on. You just spent $120 million on your payroll. Pay a guy fifty grand yeah. to go around with the team, <laughs> yeah, give him some right. free meals. Yeah, That's right. It's like really <laughs> stipends and like a part-time gig. But there, there's... I don't know. I just think if marketing is problem 1A for Major League Baseball with how to collect connect with millennials, mm-hmm. you know, my generation and younger, um maybe it maybe it's not. Maybe it is really pace of play and all of this stuff, but I I just think that baseball as a sport can do better marketing in the way that like the NBA has created superstars. Partly okay by giving them calls and stuff like that, great. But really marketing and driving that promotional bus that now we're watching 
the Golden State Warriors versus the Cleveland LeBron Jameses, and it's and it's fascinating. I don't really get that sense that baseball has elevated to that. But anyways, this is all a long-winded way of saying like Rosario's kind of pushing his way into that camp for the Twins. He's a fun. He's fun. He is absolutely like he's a fun wh- player and personality. Reality-wise, excuse me, he's also a fun yeah. guy. Well, like, where Max Kepler has been a pretty good hitter this year, and we talked for a while, you guys, about the two guys in the corners are really excelling. Yep. Eddie Rosario and Max Kepler. Like, I like Max Kepler a lot. He's a fun guy to talk to. He's tame compared with the way Rosario celebrates. And after games, too, you can just kind of, the cut of their jib is Kepler's a little bit different. Back. He's, a, he's just laid back. I mean, he's stoic. He's, he's a robot. I yeah. feel like he's, he's like a baseball robot sent... To hit line drives from to Berlin. right center field. And Manufactured is, in Berlin. Which is fine, too. Yeah, I mean, that's they come in all different shapes, sizes, I mean, Buxton and seems, seems like a really good kid, but if he does become a star, he's still just going to be sort of he's laid, pretty laid, back. laid back. Yep. Yeah. yep. What, that's just him. What is... Um, when when Buxton went on the DL, did they give any timeline a week ago when he won the on the DL? They were going to talk, uh, hey, take a blow, five or six days, we'll see where you're at. So I would expect here in the next day or two, they're going to see what's... I mean, maybe they take another MRI or X-ray. I guess I'm not clear on that plan, but it was get off of the foot for a while, stop trying to run down balls in the gap, and expecting a hairline fracture to heal itself. I don't know if a if a fracture in your toe can really heal that quickly, right. but maybe the pain tolerance gets a little bit better. And then go somewhere else, not here, and try and hit. Here's the sure. thing, okay? Yeah. As a guy who broke his big toe 20 years ago, just like being an idiot and playing basketball in a pair of mm-hmm. sandals. Same caliber still, athlete, by the way. Clearly the same caliber out. athlete. It still clicks to this day. Really? And I still, it's, it's probably like early stage arthritis, because it's like, what are you supposed to do other yeah. than... Pu- do you put your foot in a boot? Yeah, I guess. Do, I mean, is it pain tolerance for you, or can you not feel I, it? Some days, if I'm out, if I walk around twenty thousand steps or something, yeah, I feel it at the end of the really? day. Really? Okay. And See? I'm not. And I'm not. No, well, Byron Buxton has a better chance, I think, with professional people around him to come back and like be okay. Phil Speed is gone too. I'm yeah. saying yeah, <laughs> that exactly. great speed. It's, yeah, Phil had speed gone. twenty yeah. years ago. It was un, It was phenomenal it's, 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 speed. It's more now. pressure on the foot too <laughs> of Byron Buxton. I do wonder. It's like it's a hard thing to just heal yes. and be fine. Somebody and 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 I did a little digging on this at the time. Originally, if you have a hairline fracture like in your thumb, let's say. Well, you can immobilize a thumb, like unless you're uh, unless you're working with your hands all the time or whatever. Pretty good likelihood that you can just say for like three or four weeks, like I'm gonna put this in a hard cast. This thing's just got to heal up on its own, and then PT to recover. With a foot, you can't really do that. Short of like Phil just said, getting up off your feet. Maybe you put it in a hard boot yeah, or something I'd, like that. Don't don't you guys think that this is to is to to give the toe some time, but m- more importantly, or he just, or just as break. much. The mental break. He, it came, and I get to Rochester now, and now, and now that's fine I, because it's now, now you're you're not demoting him. It's sure. a re- rehab assignment. I just this to me was probably they they screwed up by not having him go out previously, yeah, and and putting him right back against uh, California in California. So I think this is just the logical thing for hey, this guy's a complete mess mm-hmm. at the plate. Well, put it this way, the the. Sort of, I don't know if you'd call it a re-aggravation, but the ability to take a step back came at a really good time for Byron Buxton. Mm-hmm. Like the injury probably came at a bad time originally. Obviously, that's been a big part of his career, a big storyline along his development is that he hasn't really had a full runway to develop because he was getting taken off the field for stretches at a time. So that's definitely part of it. I think that it's a little overly convenient to just say that his toe is throbbing, which I, I'm not discrediting that at all. Like I've talked to Buxton multiple times through this. It's he's not going to make the excuse 
but the Twins should make it for him because he's very clearly playing through a lot of pain. Several guys in that clubhouse are. It's it's not enough to explain what we saw at the plate, though. Byron Buxton has more problems than the broken toe, and I think if you're able to fix at least that, then you can get to work on fixing some of the other problems, which are contact issues, diagnostic as a pitch, you pick tragic recognition, and, and all of that stuff that has made him a feeble hitter for times. I want the toe fully healthy. I want to be able to see what Byron Buxton is at full capacity, and then the challenge is on him to develop better as a hitter. I have a, a thought off what you just said about Buxton and why I'm still, regardless of what happens in the next four months, why I'm still going to be a little bit nervous on behalf of Twins fans. Let's talk more with Wetmore here. Go, You can go download our Touch Em All podcast, too, anywhere you would find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, 1500ESPN.com, the new mobile app. Uh, all kinds of Twins content on there and new episodes on a weekly basis. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. And Touch em All Podcast is where you can find me and Derek having deep dive Twins conversations. Derek Wetmore from 1500ESPN.com. And uh, just back to the Buxton thing for a second here. Because I think if if they are to make this, you know, make a run in the second half and take advantage of a weak division, it's going to have to be in part because Buxton comes back and Sano starts hitting more and... Maybe Irv comes back. There's a, like a checklist of things that if you were a pipe dreamer, you could look at and say, yeah, this could propel the Twins in the second half. Yeah. This is what this is where I'm long-term on Buxton. I'm, I don't know if there's anything that can happen this season that would make me think going into next year, yep, all right, he's turned a corner for sure, and he's a complete product. In his career to date, he's had 580 plate appearances in the first half of the season and just under 500 in the second half. His OPS in the first half of the season is 250 points lower than his OPS in the second half. In the second half, if you just took second half Byron Buxton, 500 plate appearances, so like five-sixths of a full season for him. 22 bombs, 67 ribs, 78 runs if you're, uh, you know, if you're looking at back of the baseball card stats, 18 stolen bases, and a slash line of 262, 318 on base, and slugging 489. So you would flat out take that, I think, every year with gold glove defense. Yep. First half, Byron Buxton, 203, 257 on base, 302 slugging, only six home runs, and uh, not on base enough to, to really matter. And like, you, if you just had to choose, you wouldn't take that player even with the defense and the base running. The first right. the, the first half, Buxton. Yep. Yeah, yep. It's, it's unplayable. Yep, you unplayable. can't play him. That is a uh, fourth outfielder bench bat. Rochester depth. Yeah, but second half Buxton, who's hitting 20-plus bombs and stealing bases and getting on base to an acceptable degree and playing gold glove defense, that's one of the better players in Major League Baseball. Superstar. Yes. Absolute superstar. And that's what's kind of maddening about this. I was talking with somebody about this the other day that, man, God, you, it's just been all bad news for the Twins. There's the Irvin Santana deal, Jorge Polanco suspension, Miguel Sano on and off the disabled list. Joe Maurer's concussions have come back. Brian Dozier is fine, but not electric Brian Dozier. God, and now Buxton's hurt. Lance Lynn's off to a terrible start. How much more bad news could you possibly get? And the yeah, but to that, to borrow a phrase from Phil Mackey, is like, if Byron Buxton is that big of a superstar... It smooths over so many problems. You can forget about a Lance Lynn slow start. You don't care if Fernando Rodney has some rocky outings. You don't care if Addison Reed gives up runs three outings in a row. It's just easier to build a winning baseball team, a 90-95 win baseball team, with a superstar player 
hitting in the middle of the order, playing center field, and generally out-competing the world. And that's what is so frustrating is that Buxton hasn't been that yet. Uh, Yep, injury is definitely a part of it. But I choose to look at this from sort of the optimistic bent of, okay, the Twins are kind of right there. They're, what is it, three and a half back from the Indians after this weekend. Yes. you got to catch the Tigers first, though. I know. I, well, yeah, we'll just <laughs> see. Hardy's got those guys. They're battling. Second place Playing. in the American League Central and first pick in the draft. Well, but I will yeah. just say that on Buxton, you could just, you could, you can be this spot where you're at right now, having gotten basically nothing from a lot of your good players, and then flip the switch and go. Like this. This team can be, they can play at a 95-win pace if they're pitching like this, if their bullpen cleans up just a little bit here and there, and then they get the lineup that we think they might have, that we thought at the beginning of the season. We thought they were going to have one of the best offenses in baseball. That wasn't even a hot take. That was just sort of universally agree. We're like, yeah, this is a great offense. If they can pitch, they'll be there. This offense is now, I think, starting to come to life a little bit and is doing it without the superstars. So get some of those guys back in there. Get Buxton back clicking. Get Sano. Maybe Maurer comes back and contributes. This Sano, team though. can make things pretty interesting for the rest of the summer. Sano, though, you got no clue. Throw your hands up, yeah. Exactly. My only question in this division is very simple. When is Cleveland going to address its bullpen? Because if it does, and if it gets that right, they're going to be absolutely fine. Well, I don't know. Oliver Perez but is they there. Keep no, I don't know why. But, just fix it. What are you talking about? Oliver every, Perez pitched yesterday. Every day they don't, though, give, right. gives you a chance, if you're the Tigers or Twins right now, to hang around. That's right. Well, I think Andrew Miller getting healthy would help. And the it definitely last would. report I saw is he was going to throw over the weekend, throw a bullpen. But and, I think and you need one soon. more component there, too, at least. Definitely And agree. that's going to be a prospect who's pretty good who gets traded, probably. Co- Cody Allen gets it on track, or you know, you find another, if you can find steal a Ryan Presley type from somebody. There are going to be sellers. There's no question about that. There's no shortage of sellers, and in fact, some of the selling has already begun. So I'd get on the phone with one of those teams, go get their setup guy. I, I can give you a list of names you know, if you give me an afternoon to just put together, here are the bad teams who don't care and aren't trying, and we'll sell you a cost-controlled reliever. And there's a few of those, yes. Go do that if you're at Cleveland, because their advantage coming into the season was starting pitching, Corey Kluber, Trevor Bowers really figured it out, Carrasco. You're like, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a starting staff. And then their bullpen you trusted, and of course their offense. And they got superstars of superstars in their offense. Jose Ramiro, uh, Jose Ramirez, and Francisco Lindor are two of the best players in baseball. Michael Brantley's back to doing Michael Brantley things. That's a great team, top to bottom, save for the bullpen. And so if I'm Cleveland and I'm looking across the way, I see the Twins all of a sudden have a starting staff. What happened there? And oh, their offense is waking up. Like this, this would be a moment where if I was Cleveland's front office, I wouldn't just be content to sit back and say, well, we've got the lead and we're Cleveland. No, you probably have to do something to go fix yeah. this club. It's also the easiest thing to patchwork in the middle of a season. There's so many teams, there's seven or eight guys on every losing team. There's five guys out there they could trade. Now, if if you lack a if you lack a Corey Kluber or a Francisco Lindor, you're not going to find one on July 31st. Right. But if you lack uh, a Fernando Rodney or something that you can just plug into the eighth, then you can find those guys around the league. You lack sure. Trevor Hildenberger or Ryan Presley or fill in the name of a reliever that you trust and you like, but is not your closer. Yeah, those guys are available. Derek Wetmore, 1500ESPN.com. He covers the Twins, and uh, we talk about Twins baseball at length on the Touch Em All podcast. Thank you, sir. All right, dude. Thanks, Thanks for coming guys. in.